there's often there's a criticism of these governance airdrops where you're just dropping this liquid token on everybody and then it suddenly just becomes, okay, whoever's richest can buy up the most tokens. But some combination of like a non-transferable, non-sellable citizenship as a core component of governance, I think is really interesting to see how that will play out. What would the world look like if decisions were made by the people for the people? Dow or Never is here to break down how DAOs are disrupting traditional power structures and transforming the way we interact. If you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to Dow or Never. Today I'm here with Jeffrey Arone and Isaac Patka, co-founders of Logos Dow, the Dow of Dows, helping people discover, connect, and join Dows that align with their passions. Jeffrey is an established blockchain and internet investor, advisor, and executive. His experience varies from co-founder and partner at Arrington Capital, a billion-dollar crypto hedge fund, to chief scientist of a multi-billion-dollar global company. He has started three venture-backed startups that were acquired, including Flock, and he's raised over $100 million in investment from top VCs. Isaac Patka is a developer and founder in the DAO space. Isaac is a core developer in the Moloch Mystics, building Moloch V3, and a member of DAO House, where he builds composable DAO tooling. Isaac is also the co-author of the DAO Star Standard for DAO Interoperability. And we're so excited to hear what's going on in this week in DAOs. And to start, I'd love to turn it over to Jeffrey to talk to us about some of the big raises that are happening in the DAO space. Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, there's been a spate of new investments in the DAO space, and two actually really stuck out to me. The first one is a Brazilian startup called Ribbon, R-I-B-O-N. They do gamification of charitable giving for corporations. And while that's quite cool, what really struck me about this one is that they existed not as a DAO previously, and now they're converting their whole operation into a DAO. So I, I like that example. I can't wait to see how it continues to develop for them. But it's a great example of a business model that is transforming to reap the benefits of DAOification. So yeah, they did three and a half million in a post-seed round. Um, the other one is a company called Rain, a little bit more traditional in some regards, but basically what it allows DAOs to do is use their corporate treasury and allow them to spend it by, get, by giving the equivalent of, say, corporate cards. That's new and interesting one that caught my attention. So it's another example of a traditional corporate type of company that is now recognizing the need for similar types of corporate governance and finance products in the Web3 space. I mean, for me, I think the Rain one is particularly useful because whenever we have a crypto uh, need, I end up just like using crypto and then getting paid back by by a company. And like at the ability for us to actually directly use treasuries, whether it's like the fiat bank account or the safe or something, just by directly spending it as a DAO rather than have to pay an expense, which seems to be the standard in DAOs. People often just pay for things themselves and then at some point, maybe a month later, get reimbursed. That's not exactly sustainable for a lot of people. So um, things like things like Rain or there's another person that um, chimed in in our Discord from a company called Parcel, which is making it so that you can like pay for Web3 subscriptions directly uh, from your tre- or web two subscriptions directly from your treasury without having to have like a bunch of separate credit cards for individuals. Um, that's going to make it a whole lot easier to actually operate as a DAO and interact with uh, with the web two space. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Another interesting thing about that too, Isaac, since you mentioned it, is the whole, first of all, it's hard to keep track of these things in a spreadsheet or Google Doc or whatever. Um, but the other thing too is basically the, the rates of crypto are constantly changing. So it's like, oh yeah, I spent this much money on this day and then I had to pay that $100 thing using more valuable ETH at the time. So it kind of eliminates that uncertainty around what do you denominate your reimbursement? And so. Exactly, yeah. And I always end up on those spreadsheets being like, okay, well, I paid $100, but I also paid $15.67 in transaction fees. And it's just kind of a mess. So the raises are cool. I'm like curious, though, uh, if like what the structure of these raises are, because a lot of DAOs are still raising with like safes and, and, and token warrants and all that kind of stuff. When DAO House has put out this Yeeter platform, Y-E-E-T-E-R, uh, which is like a very fair and transparent way to do fundraising that um, I think I think really could take off. To me, it's like, I mean, people like the platforms like Juicebox because you just eat your funds into them. But with the Yeeter platform on DAO House, you can actually quit and take your money back at any point in time if the team isn't spending them the way that you anticipate they will. Um, so there was a great news piece out from Spencer from DAO House about that whole platform um, in the Defiant um, that we're going to link to. I, I just could really see that taking off as a more fair form of DAO-based crowdfunding. Yeah, that's true. It's Well, there's a lot there. I will say one of the things that you mentioned is you can quit at any time. When I first got into DAOs, I had no idea that the actual proper term for that is rage quit. I thought that was when I was talking to Isaac about it. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You can always rage quit. And I was like... Isaac, you know, I can do it in a classy way. I don't have to like storm out of the room. So for those that aren't familiar at any point in, in many, if not most DAOs, you can, if you decide, like Isaac said, that it's not going the way you want, you can essentially divest at whatever the the currently determined value of your investment is. Um, on the fundraising front, as you had asked about that, I won't go too much into all the various considerations, but I going back to Ribbon, that one intrigues me as well because they started out not as a DAO. So the, I imagine that people did start out with some sort of an equity, a safe or even just a straight equity purchase. But now as a DAO, obviously those things might change. And then if they ultimately opt for some kind of a token strategy that also becomes a further complex, you know, complexity adding dynamic. Other cool stuff that happened this week was that we finally got news about the optimism airdrop token drop and, and public governance model. Um, so this is something that we've been hearing whispers about. If you're like standing in the back halls of, of crypto conferences for the last like six months or so, people are talking about uh, something coming in the in the world of optimism, uh, but it's finally here, and it's a different structure of airdrop and governance and decentralization than we've seen before. And it's it's actually like a bicameral system where there is a token which is governing optimism itself, but then there's a whole uh, public goods and giving and funding sector which is governed by something called citizens, which are non-transferable tokens. So there's this concept of non-transferable governors, and then also the concept of a liquid token. And it'll be really interesting to see how those two things um, play out. Um, because there's often there's a criticism 
of these governance airdrops where you're just dropping this liquid token on everybody and then it suddenly just becomes, okay, whoever's richest can buy up the most tokens. But some combination of like a non-transferable, non-sellable citizenship as a core component of governance, I think is really interesting to see how that will play out. So wait, airdrop, how do we get in on this? What were the requirements? I, I certainly would like to be in on it and I imagine people listening would as well. So it's actually a multi-phase airdrop. So even if you didn't qualify in this first round, there, there's going to be more coming. But basically they looked at, um, often with airdrops, they'll look at who's using products or using the crypto ecosystem in a way that might make them good members of the community. Um, so in this case, Optimism looked for people that were looking to layer twos. And layer twos are less expensive uh, networks than the main Ethereum network. And the main reason they are less expensive is because they um, they operate on a different consensus mechanism, um, which is sometimes like a proof of authority where it's just some trusted nodes. Um, sometimes it's a, a, a cryptographic rollup. But anyway, that's that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is how you actually how they determined how to give out the OP tokens. Um, so they looked for people that were using layer twos. Um, they were looking for people that voted in DAOs. So if you did a lot of DAO voting, I'm not sure which frameworks they looked at, but if you did a lot of DAO voting, you got some allocation. If you're a multi-sig signer, um, you got some. If you donated to any Gitcoin grants, um, which shows that you're a public goods funding person, you got some. If you used Optimism, so if you actually used the Layer 2 network Optimism and bridged some ETH over there, um, and then if you used Optimism consistently, like those were all the factors that they looked at. So it looks like if you just used some layer twos, you got around like three or 400 OP tokens. If you made it through like four or five of those, you you've, could get up to like six or maybe even like 10,000 um, total supply around four, four billion tokens. So we'll see where it ends up. All right. Without getting into numbers, you know my address. How did we do? All right. So you got 380 OP tokens. Uh, out of billions? Out of four, out of four billion. So it's not, not the best, but like... If you imagine that they have a, it'll eventually have a market cap of like eight billion, which is what Near has right now. That's like that's like seven hundred bucks. Um, but you should probably hold on to them and actually use them for governance. All right, come on. How did you do? So I I, I qualified at like four or five of these. So looks like I'll be getting like six thousand OP tokens. So what? That'll be nice once that comes out. But we'll see All where right. I end up. Well, you deserve it, I guess. But <laughs> well, that's come, the thing. You got to use these. Got to use these protocols to get the airdrops, um, and also use them because they're actually useful. Uh, there was another couple things that happened this week. Well, actually, the main thing is like I was just getting back from Amsterdam and, and Germany and France after another week of like crypto travel. The main event that we were that we had over in Germany this week is we're starting to do the early planning phase for the Dow Palace which I've been telling you about um, for the last few months. Well, share with uh, folks some of the deets. So we, we, do just, we did just launch a website. So this is DowPalace.xyz, if people want to learn more. Um, so this is a residency that's taking place in July for um, builders, economists, uh, politicians, all, all coming together to figure out how to build more resilient systems. Um, so we have in DAOs often a, a situation where things are going pretty well and there's not often a crisis or a takeover or a hack. Um, and when it happens, it's big news. And what I'm really interested in and what we're interested in exploring at this Dow Palace residency um, in the first couple weeks of July is how we actually make DAOs resilient to these types of shocks. So we're going to be doing a lot of war games and role playing uh, and hopefully producing a lot of useful research uh, and also hanging out in some crazy 700-year-old castle in northern Germany. 
That's great. Right, we're sponsoring this as Logos, right? Uh, yes. So sponsorship is is rolling in as well, which is great because we're trying to make it free for attendees. So we are first sponsors. Uh, we're also getting sponsorship from a number of other uh, DAO frameworks and just interested individuals in the space. Uh, it's really interesting to see how like, a lot of people are recognizing this is a problem, that DAOs are great, but there's a lot of problems in DAOs that need solving. And the best time to solve them is when we're actually together in front of a whiteboard. Because when everybody's home, they're in 40 different DAOs and can't focus on a project, but you get everyone together for two weeks and uh, really produce a lot of uh, research um, and hopefully actionable information. Cool. Is it all filled up? Could folks listening possibly uh, apply? We applications are closed. It's been a uh, we've been curating the attendance list since uh, for the last couple of months. Um, but if anybody's interested in sponsoring, they can reach out to hello at logos.xyz or hello at dowpalace.xyz and we can uh, or just dm us on twitter hope you enjoyed today's episode of dow or never make sure to subscribe at logos.xyz slash podcast and follow us on twitter at zero x logos so you never miss out on any of the latest happenings in the dow world it's dow or never <laughs> <laughs>